Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, uh, this morning is a Friday morning for me, but for you, I know it'll be a Sunday morning. It's just the way things have to be to cope with the, the lockdown and the impact of the old virus. So it's good to be back again in Ballyhalbert. And uh, I was with you just before Christmas, uh, at the end of the, the old year. And I'm with you at the beginning of a new year. And if I could just take you back to what we're thinking about uh, just at Christmas time, and the wee verse in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 that we looked at, where it said about the Lord Jesus, he became sin for us. And it is good to know that in the battle of the salvation of the soul, the Lord Jesus was on our side. He didn't just die for us upon the cross as a substitute, but in the battle of the salvation of the soul, he was on our side. He didn't abandon us, he didn't leave us in our condemnation, he stood with us and he did the work that had to be done that our souls could be saved. Now, at Christmas time, we also remember that his name was Emmanuel. And the name Emmanuel means God with us. So it is not just uh, God for us, but God with us. And that's what we're going to think about this morning, God with us. Because we're at the beginning of a new year. Uh, this time last year, as we stood in the threshold of a new year, we had no idea that just in a few weeks' time, uh, branching out towards the end of January, something in the Wuhan province of China would fly out of China to every four corners of the globe. An infection that would have devastating consequences for the world's economy and the health of the world. And uh, here we are in the threshold of a new year, and as we look out, we have no idea what lies around the corner. But before we get into this wee message, let me reassure you that no matter what lies ahead, for the saint of God, the child of God, God wants you to know that God goes with you. He's with you every step of the way. That you will never be alone. God is always going to be with you. Now, in that regard, there's a wee story that's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. And it just brings out this uh, lovely idea that uh, as believers, the Lord Jesus has promised he will never leave us, he'll never forsake us, he's always going to be there as we face tomorrow. And it's the wee story we've looked at many a time during the years, made reference to it. And it says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, uh, chapter 14, sorry, in verse 22, uh, it uh, says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. Now, when I use the word constrained, it just tells me the disciples were not happy about it. Um, they were fishermen. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus might know something about putting up a shelf or making a chair, but the disciples knew all about the natural world, uh, boats and the seas and clouds and storms. That was their expertise. And so there was a wee bit of discussion, uh, some resistance, but eventually... Jesus had his way, and the disciples, with a long face, get into the boat 
and out they go. There's something I want to draw your attention to and it's verse 23 and it says and when he had sent the multitude away he went up into a mountainous part to pray and when the evening was come he was there alone. Now in chapter 8 the disciples were in a boat and they found themselves in a storm but at least Jesus was with them in the storm. He may have been asleep in the boat but at least he was in the boat. This time it says Jesus was on the mountaintop alone. So that tells me if Jesus was alone in the mountaintop, the disciples were alone in the midst of the sea. A previous time when the storm broke, at least to go down and weaken Jesus, and Jesus could use a wee bit of magic as it were, and get them out of a sticky wicket and save the day. But if a storm breaks out in this particular circumstance, well, they're in the storm all by themselves, Jesus isn't even in the boat. So Jesus is alone on the mountaintop and the disciples are alone in the sea. Now, some of these things, uh, being alone, there's always emotions attached to something like that. And when a person is alone and they feel alone, uh, you can feel abandoned. And the disciples may have felt that when the storm broke upon them and Jesus was in the mountaintop and they're alone in the boat, that Jesus has abandoned them. To face the darkness, to face the storm, they're alone to face all of that. And whenever you feel you're abandoned by your fellow man and abandoned by God, then that's a very dangerous emotion to be in the heart of any believer. That you feel God has abandoned you and you're all by yourself, the danger is you take the law into your own hands. You do silly things. For example, there was Elijah. And on this particular day, he was the mountaintop. And what a day he had. It was positive. It was glorious. It had a wonderful outcome. A great victory over the prophets of Baal. But then the next day comes and he gets a message from uh, the, the Queen Jezebel uh, that he had humiliated by a victory over her prophet Jabeel and she sends word that she wants his head on a plate and he's terrified and he's scared and all of a sudden he forgets about the glorious day he had before when he observed the mighty intervention of God a glorious intervention of God he forgot all about that and he skedaddled and where did he go? He headed off into the wilderness to be alone. Uh, even before sin came into the world. And there's Adam in the garden. And what does God say about Adam being in the garden? He says it's not good that man should be alone. And there's Elijah out in the wilderness. And he's been driven there by his fear. And the threat of Queen Jezebel. And uh, the danger there for him is all his emotions become negative and he's alone and he's not going to hear any other voice other than his own. See, some people, whenever uh, tomorrow or the next week or the next month brings troubles and, and sorrows and 
uh, hardships, uh, we can go into isolation. We can embrace the wilderness. We can go there. Isolate ourselves from our fellow believer, from the fellowship of the assembly, and even just walk away from God. Go into a spiritual wilderness. And whenever you're left with nothing more than the voice in your own head, which is your own voice, then you don't see things as they really are. You jump to wrong conclusions. There's nobody there to actually uh, challenge that voice in your head and, and make you aware of what is really true and, and what uh, is a negative perception as opposed to factual truth. And there is a ledger. Listen to the voice in his own head that's telling them the cause is lost. That's telling them there's nobody standing for God. That he's no better than even his feeling fathers. And none of that was true. Eventually the voice of God uh, came into hearing and, and God says, Elijah, I got it all wrong. Uh, you're not the only one left standing. I've got thousands out there who are still fighting for the cause and the cause is not lost. See, when you go into isolation because you feel abandoned, those are the kind of problems you face. So you dear believers here in Bally Halbert, as you head off into a new year and something might happen and you might feel that you're abandoned by God. That why has this thing happened? If, if God was in your life as he says he is in your life, then surely this shouldn't have happened or wouldn't have happened. And when it does happen, you feel that God has let you down and God has abandoned you. So you head off into isolation. You cut yourself off and you fell believer from the assembly of the saints of God. And you just switch out God out of your life. And then all the thoughts in your mind just become negative. So those are the dangers of being alone. You hear only your own voice. But the disciples are not just uh, uh, alone. Because um, later on, when you go down to uh, the same chapter, and verse 25 says, And in the fourth watch of the night, so, I don't know whether it was the daytime when they got into the boat or not, but uh, they were in the boat when the nighttime fell, when the sun set, and the darkness descended, and then there's darkness, and then there's more darkness, and it gets darker still, and then you're in the fourth watch of the night, when it's the darkest period of the night. It's pitch black. Jesus is in the mountain, and the disciples are alone in the boat in the sea, and it's dark. Uh, very few people like the dark. I don't like it. Uh, my son, Joshua, who's still at home, he likes not just uh, the blinds closed. He likes the curtains closed. He likes the door closed. He doesn't like any light at all. Uh, I don't mind having the blinds closed. I don't like the curtains closed. I like the door open. I like a wee landing light. I like a wee bit of light. The darkness, the pitch blackness can be a scary place to be. Nobody really likes the dark. Because you don't know what's out there. You don't know what's coming towards you. People like to see and like to understand and 
uh, they like knowledge rather than ignorance. Nobody likes the darkness. But as we face another year and uh, we're in this boat, as it were, and we're sailing it a new year and at a time you might feel you're alone and at times you might feel you're in the dark, you don't know what's going on in your life and why this has happened and that has happened and, and why God allows it to happen and you're in this awful spiritual darkness. And uh, the emotion that you have to cope with is the emotion of distress. You just become distressed. Uh, life seems uncertain and unsure and you have to know it's around the corner and how do you get out of the darkness? How long are you going to be in the darkness? How long are these problems going to stay there? When's the light going to break through? Well, I've been there. Every believer I know has been there. Sometimes you look into the heavens and you wonder, uh, Lord, when is the light going to break through in this circumstance? And, and when things are going to change? And when's the blessings going to replace uh, what seems to be the cursings and, and you're waiting and you're waiting and, and of course there's a man in the Bible called Habakkuk and that's where he was. Habakkuk was a man, a prophet of God who understood the covenant relationship that Israel had with God. And he knew that the covenant simply stated that so long as the people of Israel kept the commandments of God, God would bless them. But if they disobeyed the commandments of God, then God would bring cursings instead of blessings. God would not defend them any longer. God would bring in the enemy against them and take them off out of the land. And years had passed when uh, the nation of Israel had disregarded the ways of God. They now are rebellious, disobedient people. And Habakkuk was wondering, when is God going to bring this to an end? and uh, change things, bring about a revival by chastisement. And he cries out, Lord, how long must I cry and thou wilt not hear? Well, that's the distress he was in. Trying to figure out God's delay and why is God waiting and what's going on and trying to make sense of it all. And then, of course, God does give him an answer. He says, uh, uh, I've heard your prayer. I'm busy working out an answer to your prayer. And he says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they're going to march across the land. And they're a nasty people. They're a, a terrifying people. And they'll come against the people of Israel and take them captive. And instead of that, bring an understanding and light into the darkness of the uh, Habakkuk's thinking, it just made things worse. He says, but the, the Babylonians are worse than the children of Israel and, and you're going to raise up these horrible people to judge the people of God. He says, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and again, he's left in this bewildering place, distressed, trying to figure out why things are the way that they are. So the disciples, they found themselves in a time of great darkness. But of course they're also found in the storm as well. Uh, I like what it says about uh, the winds. Uh, in chapter 14 again in uh, verse 24 it says, But the ship was now 
in the midst of the sea tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. It's a good word, that. The wind was contrary. You come across contrary people. They'd say a black rose white just for the sake of being contrary. They'd say that one and one makes three just for the sake of being contrary. Uh, you, you want them to get on board, but they just are awkward and they just, uh, they just never make life easy for you. They just don't play ball with you. Uh, they're just contrary. And sometimes life can be rather contrary. It just comes in the opposite direction. It, it's just opposition. Maybe the young girl that's going to get married and thinks, I'll book it in for the summer. A monster summer. Which could be dangerous. And so it's July and maybe it's the 15th of July and looking forward to it, a lovely sunny day and, and then the 15th of July dawns and and it's full of clouds and there's rain and the wind is blowing and, and her day has just been ruined. She says, why does it have to be like that? Why does life have to be so contrary? Samuel says to young David, God's got his hand on you, you're going to be the king of Israel. And young David may have thought to himself, hey, it'll probably be very easy. It's going to be a lovely day when the coronation takes place and I'll pick a suitcase and I'll head off to the palace and I'll knock the door and Saul, the king that's there, he'll come out and he'll say, young fella, I was expecting you and you know, we're going to have a big ceremony and so on and come on in, I'll show you the throne and I'll introduce you to all the significant people and so on and uh, he thought that might be the way it'll be, everything will be nice and easy and gentle. Becoming king. Uh, discovered that King Saul, uh, he was contrary. He says he wants to throw young fella. You'll have to fight me for it. And how often, how often Saul tried to kill him. David was out there running for his life. Trying to find refuge anywhere. Uh, in a cave, or even to go amongst the Philistines to find some place to hide from the violence of Saul. Just Saul was contrary. Being king was not going to be easy. It was going to be a contrary experience. He had to have to suffer many things before he became the king of Israel. See, life, times can be like that. The winds that blow don't always blow in your favour. You don't always have the wind at your back in life. Sometimes it's coming face on. Later on it talks about when uh, Peter, um, Peter, he sees the Lord come because you see, the Lord doesn't want them to be alone forever, facing the storm and the darkness by themselves. He wants to be with them at all. And he comes walking on the water. And of course Peter sees him and he gets out of the boat and he walks for a wee while. And then it says in uh, verse uh, 29, And he said, Come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he's uh, doing a wee bit of miracle work himself. He's walking on the water. But then it says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, 
the wind was boisterous. Well, the word boisterous, uh, uh, the idea that lies behind being boisterous is the idea of being forceful. See, wind comes in all measures. Maybe it's a warm summer's day and you don't mind a wee breeze. You can enjoy it. It's nice, cools you down. And in life sometimes we uh, we problems there to be solved, you enjoy them. Maybe running a race to win the prize, training for it. Maybe learning how to drive a car and, and, and passing your test to be able to drive the car legally on the highway and so on. So all the wee challenges that just enrich life, the breezes that just refresh you in life, we don't mind those. But then there are some winds that blow and they're uncomfortable. Uh, you look out and the wind is blowing and you say no point in bringing an umbrella with you because you'll be fighting the umbrella. And, uh, and you get the long johns on because it's so cold out there the wind, and you and you're, you're, you're get the jacket and you tighten it around your body because it, it's cold, the wind and the cold winds blow and, and they're uncomfortable and, and times the difficulties of life and maybe what lies ahead, just life becomes uncomfortable. And here the disciples are in the boat in the wind. It's not, it's not a wee breeze that they enjoy. It's not just a, you know, a, a, something that's gusting that makes them uncomfortable. No, this is, this is the kind of a wind that goes beyond the discomfort that can bring about destruction. These are the winds that destroy, that can sink a boat that can uproot trees, destroy houses. And Peter, he's facing these heavy winds, these, the storm, and it's going to destroy him. And as we face this new year that lies ahead, I don't know whether it's just going to be a year of lovely refreshing breezes, or maybe just the old gusting wind that makes it uncomfortable for you. Or whether you're going to face some storms, the winds that blow out of it are going to be destructive. And of course for believers as they face those kind of storms, you've got to be careful that in that kind of a wind and storm that you're not going to be so scared that you allow your faith to be destroyed by it all. That you don't forget the sovereignty of God. That God is still on the throne. He knows all about the year that lies ahead. And not just every month, every week, every day, every hour, every moment. And he walks with you. And he comes to you as you're alone. He comes to you as you're in the darkness. He comes to you as you face the storms of life. He has promised you. I will never leave thee. Nor forsake thee. So it's nice to be with you. At the beginning of a new year. And my prayer for you is that. You guard your emotions. Whether you find yourself alone or in the dark or facing the storms of life, don't live by trying to handle negative emotions. Live by faith. Keep your eye on the Sunday of God and his providential care for his people. God bless you.